This episode of the Power Connect podcast is brought to you by Utility API. When you have a huge amount of non-dispatchable generation, you're going to have to match that with either storage or load management programs. And it's going to be a mix of all of these sort of things. So one of the terms that I've heard used frequently at utility conferences and discussions is that in the past, utilities would forecast load and deploy generation. And in the future, we're going to forecast generation and deploy load. Welcome into the Power Connect Podcast. I'm your host, Fred Davis. Episode 34 of the program on deck on a Monday. Glad to have you guys here as we are each and every episode. We have another fantastic episode for you today. We've got a bunch of great episodes for you the rest of this week and next. We'll get to that here in just a second. But today's program, we welcome Mr. Daniel Ressler, founder and chief technology officer of Utility API. They collect, they clean data like nobody else. They're in the energy efficiency business. And it is just a tremendous story of how they started out eight years ago and the evolution they've made as a company and what they continue to do in the data collection space. But we'll let Mr. Daniel Ressler tell you about all that. So stay tuned for that. But before we get to that, just a couple quick notes. Number one, the ExportCon conference hosted by RBN Energy, that is going to be postponed until next spring. Just some scheduling snafus going on. And of course, uh, Mr. David Brazil and his dad, Rusty Brazil, they put on a great conference, but they're going to put that off until next spring. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, make sure you check out their blog over at RBN Energy. And then of course, check out their blog cast as well. Great information on all things oil, gas, LNG, you name it, the pricing, all of that goes into it, and they do a absolutely fantastic job of that. So subscribe, follow them. You will be glad that you did. And of course, as always, follow us on LinkedIn, Fred Davis in the Power Connect. Also, too, make sure you follow the podcast, Apple, Spotify, and then, of course, you can always go to the website as well, thepowerconnect.net. And if you're interested in becoming a podcast partner and or want to be a guest on the program and or any kind of series ideas, let me know, fred at thepowerconnect.net or follow us and connect. Let me know on LinkedIn. We can make that happen sooner rather than later. All right, let's get right down to the program. Mr. Daniel Ressler, CTO, founder of Utility API. And of course, Utility API is also a proud member of Cleantechs. For more about Cleantechs, go to their website, cleantx.org, so you can become a member of one of the leading clean tech and renewable nonprofits in the state. All right. As for what we get into with Mr. Daniel Ressler today, number one, a little bit about the regulatory space and how it's been beneficial to the utility API business. Great insight from him on that. How their benchmarking and green button connect applications have unlocked a treasure trove of energy efficiency possibilities for companies and municipalities alike. Also, too, why they have no intention of getting into the analytics space. Great information from Mr. Daniel Ressler there. And we kick off the conversation with his thoughts on the recently passed Inflation Reduction Act. So without further ado, please welcome to the program, Mr. Daniel Ressler. Super excited about it. There's a lot of programs and incentives in there in order to uh, boost the clean energy transition. And so really excited about that. As far as its effect on uh, utility API, we are really excited about it primarily because it boosts a lot of our customers. Um, the people who use the platform, that sort of thing, are going to continue to be able to expand and offer those sort of services to customers who want to 
um, adopt uh, clean energy technologies and also energy efficiency and battery storage and electric vehicle technologies as well. So I'm all pumped about it. I uh, am super excited that it got through. It was obviously pretty unexpected. It caught a lot of people by surprise unless you were kind of, you know, in the negotiating room. But uh, but I really, really, it was a very pleasant surprise whenever it, whenever it came out. The data space is as big as it's ever been, no matter what industry you're in. But before we get to all that, let's talk a little bit about who Utility API is. Sure. So Utility API is a platform that can be used by anybody who wants to request and download customer utility bill and interval and usage data. So uh, the kind of companies who find these useful are going to be generally behind the meter companies. So anything from distributed energy resources like solar and storage and electric vehicles to energy efficiency contractors or program managers who want to get a client's last, say, 12 months worth of bill data or interval data in order to do their project analysis to see what the payback period is, that sort of thing. So that's that's generally the people who use the platform. And then on the other side, we also sell services to utilities directly who want to offer that sort of data access in a secure and standardized manner. So that would be things like um, what's called Green Button Connect. That's an API or application programming interface where you can get automated consent-driven access. So a customer has to consent to the access, but everything else is completely automated. And it's a structured data set that can come in. And so utilities who are either mandated or want to offer that as part of their offerings to customers, we offer a drop-in off-the-shelf solution in order for those sort of companies or those sort of utilities to offer that data access. And so what does that do? Just give them kind of a snapshot of what their utility usage has been? Yeah. So um, for example, say you are a commercial solar company and you go to a client and you're like, hey, I'm interested in putting, you know, solar on your parking lot or installing some EV charging stations as part of your apartment complex. Obviously that building owner um, is going to ask, well, you know, not only how much does it cost, but how will that impact my electric bill? Because this is an energy-related project. And so um, what that contractor has to do is they have to get, say, the last two years' worth of utility bills and say, okay, so you were paying this, and when we install these things, when we install this EV charging, when we install solar, it will change your bill to look like this, right? And so you have to have that baseline data in order to you know, do any sort of analysis. That's kind of like one of the core inputs into that. Um, and so uh, that traditionally has been very difficult to do. It's been very manual. It's been very paper-driven because you have to like sometimes, back when I was a project engineer for a commercial solar company, you would literally have to like walk over to the filing cabinet and get the copies of the bills out of the filing cabinet and copy them and then go hand enter them into your spreadsheet, right? And if you needed to do something like demand response or time of use adjustments or, or demand charge analysis, you would need to get the individual like hourly or 15 minute interval data off of the smart meters. And that would sometimes require a paper request form that you had to fax into the utility and then wait six weeks for them to get back to you with the data. And so it's a very, very overhead and high customer acquisition cost process to get that baseline data set. And so what Utility API does is we make that super streamlined, super easy to the point where you can send somebody a data request, the customer could approve the pro or approve the access, and then you as the contractor get the data within, say, five minutes. 
And so it really knocks out a ton of overhead in doing that initial feasibility analysis and dramatically lowers the customer acquisition costs for adopting new energy technologies um, like you know EVs and energy efficiency. I'm, I'm surprised that more utilities weren't already trying to do this uh, prior to. Yeah, so um, utilities have generally always offered some sort of manual means of requesting data access. And that's generally, you know, that has existed since before the internet existed, right? You could, you know, mail in a form if you were doing some sort of retrofit on your, you know, heating and air conditioning of your building, that sort of thing. So for a large part, the utility ecosystem has already had a means of doing it. The problem is that it hasn't modernized that process. Okay. And so, like, I, it's one of those things where just, you know, utilities are generally pretty conservative and they generally try to move things through a proper uh, procedures. And so um, what you're doing is you, uh, what utility API is doing is, is actually bringing a lot of that modern digitization around customer consent, around authorization tracking, around revocability, around secure tr data transfers online. It's bringing a lot of that technology to the utility space and letting utilities offer that sort of secure online authorization process so that they can start to move away from, say, a paper-based process. What's been kind of the, uh, and I'm guessing, I mean, you guys have been around for a handful of years now. What was the initial reaction from the utilities? The utility ecosystem is very, very diverse. There's a wide spectrum of utility companies who, who have different incentives. Early on, the initial reaction was basically, uh, I would say, predominantly skepticism, primarily because if you think about it, you know, a lot of these companies who need this client data, they would just be working with the client and hand entering the bills just because that was easier than filing the form at the utility, right? Yeah. And so the utility would have no idea that this process was even occurring. And so early on, we actually were met with quite a bit of skepticism. Hey, is this actually a market? Like, is this like actually thing that we need to build because we don't like, we don't see any of this. Like we don't know, like prove it basically. And so the early part of utility API, we focused on basically getting a lot of those companies onto the platform and getting them to use the secure online authorization processes. And then we can turn around and be like, look, like we make revenue from these companies who find this very valuable as a service and the customers are authorizing the access because they want the quote or they want the monitoring service or they want the operation O&M contract or whatever. Um, and so basically just shining a light and proving that there's a market for this was kind of like the first hurdle that we had to overcome. And so once you actually started proving that though, that's when you started seeing the reactions from utilities being like, okay, do I want that? Do I, you know, what are the value props for me? That sort of thing. And that's where you start to see a lot of the very, very diverse incentives in the utility ecosystem. So that was that was kind of the initial sort of reaction for, for us building the platform. So you mean to tell me they had no idea that these companies needed these, you know, I mean, it, it, it never dawned on them that people are going to need utility deals or utility examples of utility histories for any amount of time? Well, I I think it was, I, I can't tell you how, you know, <laughs> each individual one reacted, right. but, um, but the, the strong thing is like, if it's not, if you can imagine, it's not if it's not a problem just like directly facing you every single day. Sure, you're probably just not going to think about it, <laughs> right. right? 
until it's something, oh, hey, like if it's not presented to you in a in a coherent story, then you're probably just going to be like, oh, that's going on, and but it's not my problem. So if I'm dealing with ABC construction and ABC construction says to me, hey, Fred, we want to put some, you know, we want to put some solar panels and like you said, some EV charging stations on your property or on your business. And I go, I go ahead and give them the consent so they can just go in through my, do they go in through my, do they, they reach out to utility API first or how's it kind of walk me through? Yeah. Because if, if my utility company doesn't know what exa- how exactly does the, how does the whole process work? Because that's what I'm most fascinated by. Sure. So um, we offer a variety of what are called consent methods, and we are uh, agnostic to the method of consent for providing that sort of data access. So one way is what we call customer agency, and customer agency is where the customer can assign utility API to be their agent of record or a um, agent to act on their behalf. And that's similar to if you were to say you're a commercial company and say you're a, say a retail chain and you have hundreds of locations throughout many different utilities, you can assign a vendor like a bill payment vendor or a bill management vendor to be agent. And then they can like go into your account, get all of your information, put it into a spreadsheet and then, you know, give you the spreadsheet at the end of the month so you can pay your utility bill. The mechanism is similar for the utility API customer agency process where you can basically assign utility API to be your customer agent. And then we can go in through the online account. We can download, say, the PDF bills. We can parse that into a machine structured information and then share that with the designated recipient. So um, as part of that process, you know, utility API charges a fee for that service of data collection and processing. And so that's kind of like how that business model works for that particular type of consent. But that's only one type of consent. Okay. The other types of consent are when we directly offer, we work with the utility to directly offer what is called a green button connect consent process. And that's where the utility has a portal where the customer can go and consent that access. And so they don't need to offer or assign anybody to be customer agent. They can just authorize the access themselves and the data transfer happens using what is called the green button connect standard or green button standard. And that was developed by the White House and NIST. And it's also a a nonprofit board. I'm actually the vice chair on the board of that standards body. And so this is kind of an international standard, mostly in the US and Canada um, that utilities are starting to adopt. And we actually can implement that for utilities. And so that's another mechanism that follows a much more traditional online authorization process called OAuth 2.0. That's used in finance and enterprise and banking and all of that sort of stuff. In healthcare, um, it's a very widely adopted and secure standard. And so another method that we have recently started offering is what is called benchmarking. And so if you have heard of these cities um, who say, hey, every building over X many square feet, say 10,000 square feet, um, you must report your Energy Star score for your building because EPA offers an Energy Star score for buildings just like they do, you know, washers and dryers and refrigerators. Cities can mandate that buildings must offer this. Well, that means like in order to assess your Energy Star score of your building, one of the inputs to that is, you know, your whole building usage data. And so we're now starting to offer a data access mechanism for utilities that allow building owners to request date the whole building data. That is like, say you have 20 tenants in a building, you can package those up into a single sort of 
uh, usage value and request that value from the utility and the utility can provide that sort of access. And so um, that's another means of, of data access that we're starting to, to see adopted as cities start to have you know, incentive programs and, and goals, climate goals and energy efficiency goals of their own. Are even you surprised sometimes at what you have uncovered as far as uses and and capabilities of what you guys have have you know uncovered so far in the last four or five years? Absolutely. So you know we say that we do the half of data science that everybody hates: the collection and cleaning, right? And that's and that's one of the just necessary parts of doing any sort of data modeling or data analysis is getting a clean data set into your model so that you can do the analytics that you need to do for your particular product. And you're right, um, there is a huge diversity of use cases that we find just people coming to the website or finding us online, starting to use us. And when we reach out to them, you know, saying, hey, how are things working out? Do you have any questions, et cetera? They're like, oh, this is great. And then they proceed to, you know, talk about this particular business model or new, new innovative, you know, technology or something like that, where, oh, we had never even heard of that before. But data access and standard or, and, uh, and structured uh, data, clean data sets are kind of like, you know, one of the underpinnings. We've had many companies tell us that like their entire business relies on something like this existing, right? And so what we're finding is that a lot of the energy transition uh, companies and business models kind of just assume that somebody like Utility API will exist in order for them to even like start doing business because if they didn't have structured data access and streamlined data access, the overhead and the, and the costs for acquiring customers would just be too high for their business model to work out, right? And so traditionally, you know, for example, if you are a building energy efficiency company, prior to Utility API, your client base was only gigantic buildings because the amount of overhead in what is called like in the quarterly true ups or any sort of like ongoing measurement and verification, right? The overhead of just manually getting that data and putting it into your model to assess how much savings that, that particular building owner had with your upgraded system, right? that would only pencil for the largest buildings where you're making, you know, millions of dollars worth of changes, right? But with streamlined data to access, all of a sudden, the eligible buildings that now pencil dramatically decreases. And so you're able to bring an entire suite of technology that has only been kind of like reserved for the topmost kind of biggest buildings and apply that to smaller and smaller properties. And that's what's so exciting about this. So for example, um, the city of Fort Collins in Colorado, they have a municipal utility and they also have a city benchmarking mandate. And three years ago, their mandate was, I believe 20,000 square feet and up. And that's, you know, a pretty sizable property. So that's like a multi-story multi -story office building, right? Or, or a pretty big apartment complex. And this year, because we have been able to streamline that data access for those benchmarking um, energy star scores, we were able to bring down with the same level of staffing at the city, bring down that threshold to 5,000 square feet and up, right? And 5,000 square feet is like 
you know, uh, an auto repair shop. It's not that big. Or it's like an Applebee's. An Applebee's is about 5,000 square feet. And so you're able to, like, and that basically um, is a gigantic portion of the building population in the city of Fort Collins. And they are able to do that because of this digitization and standardized secure way of providing access to data. And so that's that's one of those things where um, with this sort of streamlining and energy or in efficiency improvement to the data access process, you're able to apply these sort of like uh, hard to reach technologies like benchmark, building benchmarking and apply that to a much, much wider portion of the population which is what we need to accelerate the energy transition. I mean, this is one of those things where this has kind of grown out of the ecosystem. Like whenever we first started, we were just solving a pain point for the you know solar providers that I was used to dealing with, right? But then as we went, we found we every every month you keep discovering new use cases and new use cases and new use cases until you finally like reach the threshold of being like, aha. This is a fundamental piece of the energy transition and really unlocks the mass adoption or the mass measurement of energy efficiency, of battery storage, of electric vehicle charging, of demand response. Um, and so it's, 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 it's really, really fascinating. I'll give, a, I'll give another example of sort of the use cases that we've seen. There's a utility where we offer a data access, uh, direct data access green button um, called Silicon Valley Clean Energy. They're, uh, they're a community choice aggregator in California. They are, are trying to electrify both transportation and buildings as part of their goals for 100% carbon neutral by a certain date in their, in their uh, communities. And one of the programs that they offer is a program that allows customers to connect their electric vehicle chargers and they have an app for this. And as part of the setup for that app, you need to authorize your account access to the app. And you can use this green button connect, you can use this consent driven process to connect those two things together where you didn't have to call into anywhere. You didn't have to submit a paper form. You didn't have to do anything. It's just like all on your phone. It's all self-set up. And so that allows for much, much wider adoption of these programs and of these uh, uh, load management sort of processes. And that's uh, that's incredibly important for, for an increasingly renewable grid, right? When you have a huge amount of non-dispatchable generation, you're going to have to match that with either storage or load management programs. And it's going to be a mix of all of these sort of things. So one of the terms that I've heard used frequently at utility conferences and discussions is that in the past, utilities would forecast load and deploy generation. And in the future, we're going to forecast generation and deploy load. And so as part of that, that means that you're going to have to have that connectivity between these apps, between these smart devices, between your EV chargers, all of that sort of stuff is going to have to talk to each other. And oh, hey, who is building those communication pathways? Well, that's kind of like what utility API is there for, is building those communication pathways to allow utilities and you know all of these distributed things talk to each other. 
So you are unlocking the data, right? More so than anything else, as far as as opposed to producing the data, but you're un unlocking it more. So, like you said, collecting right. it and cleaning it. Collecting and cleaning, exactly, and that goes both ways too. Providing information from these devices back into the utility ecosystem, right? That can be a similar set of APIs. It doesn't necessarily have to be all the utilities have all the information and the data is going out to you know these third party or, or behind the meter companies, right? It can be just as much information coming back in. So for example, participation information or, or charging information or any sort of that information that could be coming back in. It could be a bi-directional sort of connection. Now, um, that of course is very driven by incentives. So you were touching on the Inflation Reduction Act earlier. A lot of those incentives are for figuring out how do we integrate these resources? How do we do this sort of planning? And so we're really excited about this increasing level of communication between many, many different players in a distributed grid. Well, so would you work with load management forecasting companies or do you guys, are you guys kind of off to the side or how does, how does that relationship work? So we do work with load management companies. Um, many of them use utility API uh, day to day for getting customer data, using that to inform their sort of load control. For example, virtual power plants, if you've heard of that term, where you have kind of these uh, smart controls and battery storage devices across many different sites, being able to use that for deploying power back to the grid when necessary or reducing load for things like demand response events. So many of those companies do use utility API. And so we have relationships with all of those players, and we also have relationships with the utilities for providing that, several utilities for providing that sort of data access to enable that sort of technology. And so I would say the, the kind of place where we sit is there are many, many different actors and companies providing these behind the meter services and, and working with customers to facilitate new technology adoption. And if you're a utility, you don't necessarily have the capacity to integrate individually with all of those different companies, right? And so, you know, since there many of them are already using utility API, what can happen is, you know, we can directly integrate with the many different utilities and then offer a standardized way of getting data between those two sides. And so you have many on one side, many on the other side, and we can kind of be that universal communication layer between both sides. And that's, uh, that's really exciting because, you know, we already, if you're a utility and you're looking to provide some sort of data access like Green Button Connect or benchmarking, you know by, you know, partnering with Utility API or using Utility API's Green Button or benchmarking services that there's already a huge library of, of companies who will already be compatible with that platform because they're already using it in other utility territories. And conversely, if you are a behind the meter company who is providing energy efficiency or solar or EV services, you can start using utility API and start using it in all the utility territories that we support. 
And so we have, I believe, over 50% of the U.S. population currently supported. We're adding places in Canada as well. So that's very exciting. Um, and we're always adding new utilities. And so that's one of those areas where it's kind of mutually beneficial in both areas because of the diversity of the landscape in both the utility side and the behind the meter company side. When you have this kind of growth and when you're, un, you know, when, when you're adding the, the number of companies and the number of business uses that you guys have suddenly found yourselves uh, being a viable and, and major player to both sides of, this, of the industry, how do you keep up? Well, that's our number one challenge, right, <laughs> is, is figuring out how to service all of these different needs because there's such a wide diversity of companies who use us that we're always getting asked for, you know, these small tweaks here that, you know, gets to this specific use case or, hey, can you expand to this territory or, hey, we need gas data from here or the interval data is now available because there's a new AMI rollout, um, smart meter rollout. Uh, so we are constantly getting that sort of inbound for requests. And that, that, that's what I would say is the major technological challenge of building out this ecosystem is keeping up with that sort of demand and keeping up with uh, that sort of uh, uh, requests for expansion and feature development, that sort of thing. So uh, I would say that we knew going in that there would be a large amount of maintenance and uh, feature development, that sort of thing, which is why we've kept so focused on providing just this sort of data access and connectivity and not try to like, for example, expand and start offering our own analytics products or insights or anything like that. Because not only is that just a ton of work that detracts us from our you know, data, data connectivity expansion, it also steps on the toes and starts to compete with our own user base, right? We see ourselves as that base data infrastructure that anybody can use and we intentionally have added to our authorization contracts and our contracts with utilities that we won't do anything with the data outside of what the customer has authorized. And so what that means is we can't use the data that we are providing is that, or the data collection service that we're providing. We can't turn around and draw insights from it or build algorithms that would compete with virtual power plant sort of players or or anything like that. And so we see ourselves as kind of like the Switzerland of the neutral player in providing that point-to-point -point connectivity um, between customers and utilities and behind the meter companies. And so that's one of the interesting things is it's we're, we're trying to keep up with all of the inbounds for the data access stuff. We also kind of limited ourselves in what we could expand into as far as feature sets because we don't want to get in the way of our user base and we don't want to start to try to compete with them, right? We don't want people to not use us because they are scared that we're eventually going to release a product that cuts out their entire business model. I don't know if you've heard of things like in, in Amazon Web Services and Google or, or Apple, right? You release an app on the App Store and then all of a sudden you turn around and Google has released uh, an app that, uh, you know, competes with it. Or Amazon starts offering a generic product that competes with it. And so we want to make sure that we are an open environment 
that we remain as open as possible to allow as many different diverse technologies as possible come and connect to that platform and that ecosystem without having to worry about something you know, getting in their way or utility API kind of eventually taking that idea and running with it. So we, we are, we're very devoted to becoming just like the base level data infrastructure. And we feel like that's enough work and will be applicable to enough people that we will be doing fine as far as market size and, and valuation. Aside from scaling the business and finding folks to, to continue to grow the business, is there any of the product lines you guys are looking to launch right now, or is it just we're, we're staying with what we got with the benchmarking, the, the green button, and just continue to be you know the best data infrastructure company in the energy transition? I would say that a huge portion of our focus as far as our growth and our participation is in the regulatory space and standards development space. So that's an area, right? We're dealing with private information. This is customer bill and usage data, right? And so it has a significant amount of privacy considerations associated with it, right? And we feel like that participation in the regulation is incredibly important to make sure that that data remains safe and secure. And uh, for example, we were one of the earliest adopters of the Department of Energy's Data Guard uh, Energy Data Privacy Program. And that is a collection of best practices that ensure that customers are duly informed, they have control, they have oversight and easy revocability of that data access when it's provided. And so it really puts the power in the hands of the consumer in order to say who gets access to what and um, for how long and that sort of thing. And so we see participation and continued development and improvement of the standards around providing secure consent-driven privacy or private access to data as incredibly important to, I guess, our business. And we see the open standards development process as much more preferred to say, for example, us developing our own sort of proprietary API that that utilities can adopt or that we can provide um, these companies because of how regulated the environment is. And so in general, regulators really like to see an open standard being used by a utility as opposed to some sort of one-off custom thing that isn't probably going to receive a lot of traction because all of the, you know, behind the meter companies who would have wanted to use it, are they going to devote, you know, developer time to integrating with this one-off sort of, you know, proprietary API as opposed to a standard like the green button standard. And so we see regulation, uh, participation in policy discussions. I'm on multiple working, I've been on multiple working groups around technology development for openness of data access standards. And we see that is a much, much more preferred path for basically instituting this data infrastructure is via the policy participation and open standards development. So I would say that that is, that is an area where it's generally overlooked. It's generally not considered to be, you know, a super hot, important thing, but we see it as a fundamental part of ensuring that there is widespread adoption of these data access technologies. Where can the folks find more about Daniel Ressler and the utility API team? 
Sure. Um, so we're online at utilityapi.com. We're also on Twitter. Uh, I believe our handle is util at utilityapi. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn. Our CEO, Devin Hampton, often posts he around various topics on LinkedIn. We also have a blog. So please check us out and try us out. If you are a you know, behind the meter company and you have trouble getting customer data, like customer bills or customer intervals, please check us out or reach out. And if you're a utility and want to offer standardized, secure data access as part of your platform, please reach out. Thank you so much for that, Mr. Daniel Russell. As we said earlier, don't forget, you can catch all of the Power Connect episodes over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on the website, thepowerconnect.net. Connect with us over on LinkedIn, Fred Davis, and the Power Connect page. Also, too, you can reach out to us via email, fred at thepowerconnect.net. We've got some great episodes coming up on Wednesday. We have Mr. Michael Iman, Managing Director of Origis Services. A great conversation with him, just going all over the place, talking about, obviously, we'll get into the Inflation Reduction Act, and a little bit about Origis Services, uh, kind of their soup-to-nuts approach to managing operations. And we'll get into a little bit with Mr. Michael Iman, a fellow Navy man as well, so plenty of good conversation there. Friday, looking forward to that conversation with Mr. Hawk Dunlap a global firefighter, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, folks. And then, of course, next week, we do the first ever marriage series where we talk to Mr. Don Wright from Unico, and then we talk to his wife, a.k.a. Electrified Veronica, Dr. Wright, uh, maybe the most electrified couple. Just a tremendous story for the two of them, how they met and what they're working on individually and collectively. So we're looking forward to that, and uh, stay tuned for that as always. Thank you so much to all the guests, the audience, everybody for making this show possible. Without you doing what you do, we couldn't do what we do. This has been the Power Connect Podcast, connecting the energy transition one conversation at a time. Wake up, all the builders, time to build a new land. I know we could do it if we all end up